Hello, hello, hello. This is Ken. Welcome to TWDS Podcast. I am really excited to come to you today. Uh, this is our first podcast of the year, so welcome uh, to, to 2021. If you've never been on the platform, TWDS is the Things We Don't Say podcast. We bring people here and we try to tell connected and true stories. And we tease out the TWDS moment, which is a moment where that they've had something to say and they were not able to say it or something that they want to tell us and they want to tell the world about their story. The thing that's more important to me than actually the TWDS segment is the type of people I bring bring on my platform. And I'm really, really trying to go and get out stories out of friends, out of my network of people who can come and and talk and people who don't generally get a chance to voice their opinions or have a platform to do so. And so this story is exactly the embodiment of all of what I just said right now. Uh, I bring to you a guest. Uh, her name is Tersa, Tersa Ventil. She's from the Netherlands and she tries to pursue this American dream, leaves her home nation of uh, of Holland and comes to, to the U.S. In, in pursuit of her of her dreams and does so in a field that is really, really difficult to get through and that's super being dominated, a mixture of acting, directing, um producing and so it's fantastic to sort of listen to you know every step of the journey the fears of uh of leaving home and uh, and coming to the u.s this story really just rolls through and i don't think i'm going to you know present in more much more than than i have already but i wanted to say something though because i gave you a little preview of what uh a twds was but i i really wanted to bring this point home you see when successful people go to interviews and people ask them various questions about what they're doing today and how they've gotten to the point very often in times sometimes you get you know snippets of things that were hard and snippets of moments in time that were really really tough and things that they've had to overcome and that's exactly the projection that i try to get out on my platform um, the goal for us is to bring people to talk about their story and what they're doing in life or even a topic. But I also want to tease out the nuances of and the intricacies of people's journey. And I think we do the same with Thursa today because she talks a lot about, you know, various stages of her journey. And you can, you know, embody this experience and and think to yourself of selling everything you own and moving to a place that is super new and that, by the way, speaks a different language than the predominant one in your country. It's, you know, and that those are the things that fuel me. I've been really practicing re- recently of giving a, you know, a short pitch about what it is that I do here and why I have this platform. And recently it's it's been... It took about five or six episodes to get that piece right. And I think I finally have it, uh, which is, yes, I want to tell you connected stories. But I want, not only I want to tell you connected stories, but I want to tell it to you from the point of view of people you don't, you're not used to hearing from. And I also want to make sure that I tease out the things we don't say and the things that are paramount to people's journeys and people's successes. Furthermore, I think it's also very important in 2021 to do so. I think all of the platforms that we are in are are meant to show the picture perfect. 
you know, um, coming to you in, in this is, you know, I, I just feel like everything in our society right now, you have to bring quality audio, you have to bring quality video, you, you know, it, uh, social media is all about these moments and hashtags are all about shortening the, the story. And what I really want to do in this platform is actually stop shortening the story and tell you the full body of the story. And so... And I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot through this journey. I, I keep, I feel like every episode I keep talking about my journey, but to me it's important. It's important for me and it's also what gets helps me uh, keep going. So thank you very much for listening. And I've said enough about the episode and about what we do here. So, bro, let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> thank Hello. you. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for uh, jumping on. It's been a while. <laughs> I don't know too many people who know actors in their lives. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like this is freaking like it's it's amazing. How did that even start? Like, tell us about acting. I am so curious. I always wanted to act actually i think ever since i was four years old i knew that that's something that i really wanted to do and uh, but i didn't really know what it was so i started doing theater like kids theater and just play around when i was six years old and then um i really loved it and then i think at one point people started to talk about what they wanted to become later in life and i couldn't choose i was like well you know the world is so big and there are so many choices and options how can you choose one and then i figured if i was to become an actor i could do any profession in the world for just a little bit you know like if i would play a doctor then i then i would know what it was like to be a doctor for just a little bit one thing led to another so kids theater and then to like a little bit more serious school. And then finally I got into a bachelor's degree acting school in the Netherlands. And from there I got a scholarship. I could study in New York and then the career just happened. So you were in the Netherlands, yeah. you know, having your wonderful four day weeks. <laughs> you were in your RNJ and beautiful little boots. <laughs> right, the wooden shoes. The wooden shoes. And I had I had the tulips and in my hand. Yeah. I'm in a grand old time. Um, it's cool. And they decided that you were gonna get a scholarship and come to a big city like New York. Yeah. Wow, what a life change. How come? That's didn't that scare you a little bit? Like the first time, like you're about to leave home, especially acting. Because it's yeah. such a, you know, competitive area. So how did it feel living home? I think the first time was in 2010 uh, that I came to New York. And of course, yeah, no, that was very scary. That was extremely scary. But I loved it at the same time. I was very hungry for adventure. And I must honestly admit, with the scholarship, like deep down, all I wanted to do is travel. I didn't even want to go to theater school in New York. 
but they wouldn't they wouldn't give me the money if I wouldn't go to school <laughs> so that's why I was like okay I'll go to theater school in New York um, and this sounds so so spoiled and it's terrible but I, I was like I just want to travel around the United States like I want to see the Grand Canyon and I want to see everything but so I had to study and from day one I really loved it and something just clicked it really added up to my education in the Netherlands because I think that acting for film and television and the techniques that are developed here in the United States for acting are of an extremely high quality. And um, in Europe, we don't have those techniques. So the idea of acting, it roots in the same philosophy, the Stanislavski philosophy, which is European. But here in the United States, as with everything, like you guys took it to a whole other level. And like the techniques that are developed here, I, for me, were extremely helpful to deepen my life as an actor on set, on stage, when how to approach a character, how to approach my profession. And yeah, so it was good that they made me go to school again because I wasn't ready for the real world yet. So I, I had to come to New York in order to in order to be okay with the real world and the grind and the hustle and yeah. And then how long did New York acting school last? So I did it for one semester here on the scholarship and then actually back then I already knew that I wanted to move to New York. Um, but my career happened in Europe so I went back and um, I got some really amazing opportunities there. So for six years I was working in Europe. But I always came back to New York, so I was I was in New York like four times a year, like wow. many times, to visit, to see, see shows, and to just be in the city and to enjoy the energy. And um, at one point, I was working on a play in in the Netherlands about Anne Frank, and it's produced by a producer who also also produces on Broadway. And um, he he and I we had dinner one one day. And he said, don't you just want to go? Why not just try it? Why not just jump and do it? And then, so he planted sort of like the seed of, if you want to live in the United States, you just got to do it because he lived in the United States and in Amsterdam. So he was living the life that I wanted basically. So I was looking right. up to him being like, oh, how do you do that? And of course he was very rich, so that's very appealing as well. I, like, I want that life too. But obviously, I mean, he's a producer, not an actor. It's a different, totally different lifestyle. But yeah, so then at one point I was in LA in 2015. That's when I decided to do it. So I got an attorney because if you want to have a visa for the United States, you need an attorney. I got all my savings and I gave all of my savings to this attorney. <laughs> Um, and then finally in 2016, in October, my visa came through, my artist visa came through. And I sold a show, so I, I had a show that I was doing in the Netherlands and I, I wrote it so it was mine and I could sell it to a theater here in the United States. So I moved in, in November, I cut all of my work in, in, the, in, in the Netherlands and moved here and did a show and that was it. Wow. Actually, there's like, there's something, the first time going to just to study yeah, seems like, you know, a natural progression of things. But this one, I can almost sense a little bit of hesitation, almost like a fork at the road kind of thing of, 
you know, which which of the paths should I have followed, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, do, do you feel like you have any regrets over that specific move? No, some? no, on the contrary, really, like, on the contrary. I think that I was 29 when I moved to the United States, and I wanted that ever since I was a kid, but it took me, like, 30 years, you know, or, like, 26 years to actually do it, to follow my heart. It has brought me nothing but good. Seriously, and it it taught me that if there's something inside of you that you really, really, really want to do, but you're scared of the practical stuff, you know, because you don't know how or you're scared of money or whatever it is, it's always worth it to take a leap of faith and, and to do it. I'm, it was the best decision in my life I've ever, ever made. It made me a better person. I like myself better. I'm more yeah. calm. Yeah, like things fell into place. Um, yeah, no, nothing but good. Nothing but good. Wow, wow, that's that's freaking amazing. <laughs> As you say that, I have a picture of um, you know just jumping out of a plane with an umbrella instead of a parachute. <laughs> like it's yes, I, but that's it, that's yeah. exactly what I picture. It is because it's it's. I love, I love that, by the way. I love that. I love that. It's like Mary Poppins out of <laughs> Mary Poppins. Yeah, exactly. But, but high um, altitude Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah, high altitude. <laughs> exactly. Out of a Boeing. And then she jumps. But um, it's, it's true because it's so, it's so rocky and it's like the grind was pretty rough. I'm not going to lie. Like it was not easy. And I did not have like money. I don't come from money. I did. I had some savings. But hey, welcome to New York, man. I don't know what the city does, but it just eats your money, like without you knowing it. It just like it, it takes out your it takes everything out of your bank account if you don't really watch it closely. Um, so you know the hustle and the grind and the yeah, absolutely. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't easy, but it made yeah. I really believe like it made me a better better person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, be before we open up the, you know, U.S. chapter, verse 2, uh, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about those six years in the Netherlands mm. uh, of acting. And you said you were able to, like, uh, produce a show that you sold. Like, you know, can you just talk a little bit about that period of your life and how it felt to be home? And That's a beautiful question. So... When I graduated, I was fortunately, I was super fortunate to be invited to come and work at a company, like a very established theater company in the Netherlands. So I could go on tour immediately after graduation, which is amazing because people can see your work. I learned so much from them. Then after working with them, I got a part in Soldier of Orange, which is like a a huge musical in the Netherlands with a turning, like the audience is turning from set to set. It's huge, it's like there's an ocean wow. on set. So there's an ocean in the theater and an actual boat and an actual plane. <laughs> you have to check out the trailer. It's, it's the most beautiful thing, but I've learned so, so, so much there. And that show was produced by the same producer as Anne Frank that I did later. But after that show, so the show was about World War II and um, there were always important people coming to the show like in the audience, like as a guest of the producer, for instance. 
so we played for like the queen and like prime ministers and, and so like they were there a lot, which is an amazing experience when you're young. It's not every day, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not an everyday thing. And then there was a woman who sat there in the audience and she was then 89 years old and she didn't really like the show. And I was so fascinated because we were used to getting, you know, applause and people loving it. And, and this woman was a little, like a little bit grumpy. And, and I was like, who is that? Like, who is that woman? And then the producer said, that woman is a real resistance heroine. She fought during World War II at the age of 17. And she killed like a lot of Nazis and she saved so many lives. So she has lived through the story that we're telling on stage. And her comment was like, well, you guys can sing how much you ever want to. That's not how I experienced the war. That's what she said. And she was so, so right. So I was fascinated by her. And I looked her up on the internet. I saw that she wrote a book. So I, I read her book and then I was fascinated even more because she and her baby sister were in the armed resistance with only men at the age of 15 and 17 for four years. And they fought in World War II and they did so many amazing things. So I really wanted to meet her. And then, but the producer didn't want to give me your phone number, obviously, because like you can't just ask for somebody's phone number like that. So I spent a day on the phone, like two days on the phone, calling all these different people to see if I could track her down. And all of a sudden I have this phone number and she picks up and she's like, hi, this is Trus. And I was like, what the, wait, what? Like I'm talking to her right now. And I asked her, I told her how fascinated I was by her. And I asked her if I could interview her. And then she said, sure, you have to bring lunch. That's what she said. Next Saturday, you have to bring lunch. I was like, okay. So I brought sandwiches and cheese and peanut butter and all of this stuff. And I went to her house. Yeah, it's like, but she was so, I was a little frightened of her. Like she was a scary, like really cool lady um, and 89 years old. And then I brought my recording equipment and I went to her house and she told me everything, like from the moment that she was born until now and about the war and her stories was just, her story was so intense and so, mind-blowing really and then on my way back I drove back home I decided to write a play about her because I really wanted to make something that was mine a show like that like a show like Soldier of Orange it's amazing it's one of the most amazing experiences but it is it's so big you know nothing is yours of course it's your creativity because you're playing the role but you're not writing anything I mean you're not really creating anything and I really wanted to create something so I wrote a play about her and about Traudel Junga who's the who was Hitler's secretary during World War II yeah I wrote that play and I quit my contract at Soldier of Orange because I wanted to do other other things then this play happened and I performed it once and then people liked it so I have been performing it ever since and that show I was able to sell here in the United States so I could so I brought her story sort of like to New York as well in 2021 I'm going to do it again in in the Netherlands the same show about her life yeah and she passed away the year that I moved to the year that I moved to New York yeah this is exactly what Karen meant by like she's like you have to talk to Tersa oh. because she she redefined herself like a hundred times 
And like this is exactly an example of that. Like literally you are you know, you are in a production where you are able to have exposure to this like big thing, but then you have you're hungry of creating your own thing. Yeah. And having the courage to just, you know, leave that and you know, and then just go get it. It's like fascinating to me. Every time I see people make these moves, it's just like you know, it's it's so mind blowing. And then the story itself of the lady who is, you know, wow. Do you think there's like an English version of her book somewhere? Yeah, it's been translated in, um, I think, I don't know, like 70 languages or something. I don't know, like a lot of like, it's called uh, Not not Now, Not Then, Not Ever. Wow. That's what, and her yeah. name is Trus Mengert. Yeah. Oh, the way you said that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> With a nice heavy accent. <laughs> I, I, I I might have to uh, yeah I don't the <laughs> title thankfully the title is in English so we can do it with this. <laughs> oh man, that is fascinating! Wow. <laughs> Thank goodness I asked you this question. I would have never teased that out. We were just about to start talking about New York and stuff. Yeah, that, yeah, that piece yeah. was very yeah. important. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you were doing it too as a podcast. You know, I mean, you you had an idea, you had a passion. You were like, let's just do it. It's not easy, but here you are at 8 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> you know, <laughs> talking to me. So you know, you have that same. You do it too. You create. This is what you create. So it's. So when you started to talk about, um, you know, that envy of, yeah, I want to get out there and create. Yes, I want to, you know, and I want a little bit of my independence. I felt it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. the, the, the only main difference is that I, uh, you know, <laughs> I am not ready to sell my house and give it to an attorney to move to the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I respect that. I I respect that. Yeah, it's uh, that's, yeah. That's I, I am. You know, it's it's so funny. Like sometimes when I get into the story, I you know, like I I feel it. Like yeah, and her story. Seriously, I mean, it's it's absolutely. It is. It's mind blowing. It's absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the fact that it was a she too, which is very important, um, which is also an, a, a good segment into the question that I wanted to ask you, uh, which was, you probably faced a lot of challenges in a surprisingly male-dominated mm. industry. Actually, it fascinates me. I don't, I don't understand how... <laughs> how acting got to be male-dominated because I, I just have this feeling of like, it's supposed to be the representation of, you know, like of the world. stories and, and the world and things yeah. that are being told. And for some strange reason, um, you know, main act, things like that, always male figures. Did you feel like you had to wrestle with that a lot uh, through your through your time? Um, that's a, that's a good and a little bit of a tricky question as well. Um, uh, let me put it like that. Like, I certainly know what you mean. Like, I don't know if that answers your question. No, I'm not going to be too careful about it, but I certainly know what you mean. Um, right. Like, I think one story that sort of summons it is right after my graduation, um, so I, I, I joined this company 
I worked with them and then there was one month that I could file because they were not working for one month and they were like well for that one specific month you can file for unemployment so you can get like I don't know 70% of your paycheck or something so I did and I just graduated and the man who helped me with that with like filing the paperwork he said and I just graduated like three months and he said you might want to look into a different profession and I mind you like I've been working towards this like all my life and then I was like what <laughs> and I was 22 and and he said yeah he was like listen now you're young and beautiful but you know uh, who, who is playing the lead role it's men who are getting paid more men what are you doing in this profession? Now you have a cute face, so now you might get some work, but in a, in a while you wanna be a mother and then like everything is done and you end up in poverty, change careers. That's what he said. And I didn't know, and this is somebody from the government, you know what I'm saying? Like telling you this straight to your face to a freaking 22 year old girl who holds her diploma in her right hand. I have a lot of amazing like guy friends and stuff and I've never had, had any issues there but I do think that when it comes to producing producing is a money thing producing is a power thing producing is a connection thing producing has very little to do with acting um, and we're still you know we're still living in a world where it's pretty male dominated and especially in the United States I feel in Europe it's already a little different but especially in the United States is very male dominated and obviously like you yeah it's something you have to deal with, you know? And it's true, like in a lot of the, that's why I love Frances McDormand, for instance. I, I, I love her so, so, so much. I think she's an amazing actress. But also like, it's not about appearance, you know? It's about, it's about the characters that she creates. And, and yeah, I, that is sort of a dream, I think, yeah. That's definitely wow, wow. <laughs> I, I can hear that. I can hear the passion. I can I can feel that. That's, that's <laughs> wonderful. So you moved to the U.S. So that was the Netherlands chapter. Yeah. You moved to the U.S. and you're in New York. It's chipping your money away. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Stop it, New York. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And uh, how would you say, you know, how would you rate your second time around? Do you feel like you've, you know, you had the chance to, to get to the things that you really wanted to do here? No, um, <laughs> I felt that things were just getting easier and more comfortable, and I was getting to a position that I had to worry a little less. And I think as an actor, you're always on top of your next gig your next job so you enjoy the one that you have but briefly because then you're like you know you're on to the next and yeah. um but it's a really cool position to be in if you can go on to the next many times especially in the beginning when i just got to the united states it's like you have one job and then three months nothing happens and you're just auditioning and then you're doing one thing and then like nothing happens and then to get to a point where you can make a schedule of be like, okay, that day I'm going to be there. I'm flying in there. Or I'm going to do that. That is so, that feels thriving and that feels amazing. Um, but there are so many more things that I would love to do. So yeah, no, not finished, not finished. <laughs> okay. 
when I Google you, there's a picture of you in like a movie. Like it, it looks, it looks expensive as hell. <laughs> I know what project you're you're talking about. Yeah, it's called Consequential Matters. It's a film made by Ali Medlock and uh, Matt Brucato. It was a lot of fun to make. We shot it in Brooklyn. It was one of the first like films that I worked on that was so much fun in that sense like to do because it was a little bigger than the other stuff that I've done so far. And they did a really good job. Like we worked with an amazing crew. It's a horror film. <laughs> it's about a guy who brings home a woman from a bar and he treats her like crap. And then she says, do you want to play a game with me? And he says, yeah, 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 sure. But he's like super rude to her. And she wants to leave and then she then she stops and she's like, do you want to play a game with me? And the guy's like, yeah, sure, I'll bring you up to my apartment. I'll, I'll play a game with you. So she, she starts to play these uh, memory games and language games and stuff like that. And every time he makes a mistake, something terrible happens to him. Um, so they play out this game and at the end, this huge guy with a chainsaw walks in and it's like, it's a crazy thing. But it, Yeah, it was fun. It won prizes actually. Yeah, like there, it won it won two awards. So, tell me about the Duchess. The Duchess is made by Marco Dionellas. Marco and I we have met at theater school in New York in 2010. We dated for a while and then we broke up. But we we stayed such good friends and we always had the dream of working together. And he, he now has his own production company in LA. Uh, he's married to Taylor, like a wonderful, wonderful woman, and we're all friends. And um, yeah, and then he was producing The Duchess, and he called me up, and he was like, do you want to work on this project with me? So that was the first project that we did together. And um, it's beautiful. Like his, his, the fashion films that he makes, he, he, he wins like prize after prize after prize as well. But it's, it's really, really gorgeous stuff that he makes. Yeah, he's a very creative soul. Actually, I think that might have been what you were working on when I uh, when, when I last had. saw you. Yeah, that might be. yeah, yeah, because yeah, you were always going off, you know, like you were supposed to go in like a specific location and, yeah. and do some, yeah. It might, yeah, I think it's about right. It's about that time period. Yeah, that's true. Which one of those uh, gigs in the U.S. was the most fun for you? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, there was one, it's not on IMDb because it's a play, but that's a, um, I did it in New Jersey. Um, so it was much smaller actually, but the role was just so amazing to work on. Um, it's Kill Floor. It's written by Abe Kugler. And it's a play about a woman who um, gets fresh out of jail and she wants to reconnect with her 15-year-old son. And um, she's poor, like nobody wants to be a friend anymore. Her son doesn't really see her as, as, as his mom anymore. She is trying her hardest to reconnect with him and to build a life, but she just doesn't know how. And then she starts to work on the kill floor of a slaughterhouse. So like she's at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the food chain, basically trying to work her way up. And it's a play about a rural area and she's just struggling and about being a good person and a good mother but just not being equipped you know and hurt so much by life 
Um, it's beautifully written, and as an actor, it's it's like it was my dream role. I was like, this is what I wanted to do on Broadway. But it was amazing <laughs> that I got the chance to do it in in New Jersey. So actually, of all the projects, I think as an actor. That role was one. When I read it, it was so fun. Like I read, I read it for the audition. I read the sides, and then I read the play. And I was like, "This is mine. This, this is mine. Like this is my role. This is what I want to do." Yeah. So, you know, my platform is things you don't say. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to. I know a lot of the questions I asked you were personal, but I don't think they were as personal as this one is going to be. Okay. Okay. Am I ready for this? You know you are. You totally are. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Now you're making me nervous. I, I am making myself nervous okay. asking this question. Um, no, it, it's it's essentially it's actually the dichotomy between people like chasing dreams and wanting careers and stuff, mm-hmm. and like finding love and all of that stuff right and one can happen through the you know through the the vehicle of the other yeah but picking a location because that's where your soulmate is going to be oh i see i see um that's funny because that is a struggle it's a struggle because like when you deal with just you you can go anywhere right you're light as a feather Like you have your backpack, you travel, you you don't need a base. Like you can be home anywhere. You can be home where you are and where your friends are, or where you have friends all over the world. It doesn't matter. But when you're with someone, you have to negotiate a little bit, you know. And then like that other person has to like that as well, and uh, the other person has to, yeah, su- support your dreams, but to. Oh, this is a good personal question. Like, I'm starting to stutter. Um, <laughs> it's a good question. I think, um, I think two things. I think that I, in New York, I've met a lot of people who did not have one home base, but several. And as a family, they were traveling from home base to home base to home base, but they were home at different locations in the world. And that really reassured me that there is not one way that leads to Rome, but that you can build your own customized life. You know, there's not a, it's not prefab. So you can figure it out as you go. And you don't have to be married at 26 with a diamond ring and, and with three kids, you know, that, and I know that maybe here in, in, in America, that is, it's more important than where I'm from, I think. Still, it's a little more traditional. I think you can wait, you know, and you can write it out and you can see how it feels and where you want to... I think it's just sort of like as you go. So when, when you find somebody who you really want to be with, maybe it's not too bad to create a home base somewhere where you're comfortable, even though for me, for instance, if it's not the United States. But I do think that I, I will always need the freedom to travel from that home base to wherever I want to travel to, to work and to be there for maybe six weeks or maybe even three months. My significant other has to be sort of okay with that, I think. But it's not easy to find someone like that, I think, yeah. I I wanted to figure out, like, first of all, what kind of man dates an actress? Because, (laughs) you know, automatically he's like, oh, 
she's gonna she's gonna go and walk on set with like Brad Pitt. Like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then there's like the second part of your life, which is like, okay, um, mm. you know, you're definitely a go getter and I, you know, I have a feeling that this is like the start of another adventure. It's like another chapter, right? Mm. That's that's being written and you know, and that kind of like movement, especially for like the idea of like for some reason culturally we think of it as settling down, which absolutely annoys me. But yeah, the me idea too. Of <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But the idea of creating something durable and long-term always seems to be pegged to, like, a single location, and I don't think of people like that. And also, when you came back, I got a chance to talk to you. Was it the first night? Yeah, like, second night, yeah. Second night, and you were on a boat. Like, (laughs) you know, your your story, you can't make this shit up. (laughs) You, it's you true, it's true, it's on a boat, yeah. What yeah. is this? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that to me was just like, I, you know, I was, we, we were just kind of like talking about what we were going to, you know, plan the interview around. And I just wanted to have just a tiny snippet of, you know, like forward looking so maybe I can prepare better questions. And... Yeah, it was it, it was fascinating. You're like somewhere in the middle of a bark, somewhere between New York and Jersey. Yeah, and and I feel like <laughs> that that's like the full representation of your life. You're always <laughs> somewhere, but but like with your own focus, right? You know where you want to go, and and you zoomed in on it. But like it's you know it's either the ocean in the in the middle of the play that you were doing in the mm. Netherlands. Right, the orange soldiers, or it's, you know, running back and forth between your, <laughs> you know, in New York and and you know, I I know you used to take long runs all the time. Yes. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I did too. I I really think that if you are okay with yourself and if you're happy with you, and if you're centered in a way because your life is shaped in such a way that truly fits you. Not a one-size-fits-all, but customized to who you are and that you can live that and that you are appreciated for that. It doesn't really matter where you are, you know? It doesn't really matter in what situation you end up in because you know who you are and you know what you can do and you know where you want to go. And you can handle a lot, you know? People are so resilient. So, and I, yeah, I feel that New York brought me closer to me so being on a boat or being in Brooklyn where I'm right now or going to Texas where I'll be next week or going back to Amsterdam where I'll be in March, it's, it's still fine, you know? What's next for you? Um, well, I'm, I'm producing a podcast, so this is a good thing for me to be on yours because I've never done that before. Um, so I wrote um, I, I wrote plays in the past, and that's that's something that I'm not like very used to, but it's something that I know sort of how to do. And um, this then COVID happened. I lost all of my work because nothing nothing continued, um, at least for the year. And then I I had the craving again to create something, just like uh, with Trusmenger. And um, then I was thinking about 
theater, obviously, because that's what I know how to do. But then I thought, what, who's going to produce theater during COVID? Like, who's going to come to the theater? There's no place. Like, you can't do anything. So it has to be something else. It has to be something different. And um, I do a lot of, I work with audio for a long time. So I had my company, Creative Formations, on the side since 2013. I do a lot of voice acting and editing and I work with companies for uh, different projects. And then I thought, well, I know how to do audio. I have uh, some amazing stories in the United States that, that I would love to portray. Um, yeah, so I, I wrote a plan for a podcast. And I, I went to a company in the Netherlands and I told them, I was like, I'm thinking about making this. And they liked, they liked it and they were like, yeah, we're going to produce it. So that's what I'm working on now which is such a blessing because I can I can do it I can record here in the United States and then it will be broadcast on I don't know like Spotify and iTunes and stuff like that um, and then when I go back in February I'll start rehearsing for my show so for a Virtual Victory the show about Trusmenger and I'm going to do an improv show um, and we're going to do the revival of a show that they had to pull the plug on um, this year so we're going to if there's a vaccine and everything, we'll see, fingers crossed. You can't make any plans, really. I mean, we have no idea what's going to happen. 2020 turned everything yeah, upside down. Yeah, so that's what's next. Yeah. Wow, that, that sounds so busy. Golly. <laughs> it's, I know, but I think it sounds busier than it really, than it really is. Um, they're just like different, different projects, but it's very well manageable. Yeah. Wow. I here's one thing I'm gonna hold you up to because I feel like this is probably not the last time we have gonna talk. <laughs> so, f first of all, your show is gonna be in English or Dutch. The um, the, I mean, podcast? the podcast. I'm gonna do it in both languages. So for the Dutch market, because not everybody is that fluent in English, even though people think that all the Dutch people speak English, but not everyone. Um, so the narration will be in Dutch. And then I will make a version where the narration is just in English because all of the people who I'm interviewing and the stories um, are here in America. So it will be in English, most of the, oh, yeah. So you already have versions. half of the work done. The main work is that you needed to narrate the Dutch part to explain. Uh, but then well, you're going to do also an English narration, so you have two versions. Yeah, exactly. But it will be because the, so the show is about six stories of people who I met during the past four years who've changed my life because they are, um, they're so resilient and they have like their own versions of success. Um, their stories are truly amazing. And I was like, I just want to do something with this. So it's called Real Resilience, an Ode to Mental Toughness. Um... And that's what it's gonna be about, yeah. But it's six, it's six New Yorkers basically. It's six New Yorkers who, uh, who, who are gonna share their story, yeah. Wow, I, I, I am excited to listen to that. Me too, but, but I'm gonna hit you up for some tips because I really like your podcast. So I'm still like editing wise <laughs> and everything. I'm, I'll, I'll call you. <laughs> so we'll talk uh, I, for sure. I am all in. I am all in to, to teach and that's spread right. the, the little I've learned through my time doing this. <laughs> Wow. And what's next, what's really, next really, for you? Well, this. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. The, no, I I am going to try a shot at video, but very, very, very limited. Um, 
I am going to get some key lights here and try to figure out if there's a way I could maybe do a small segment for every episode where I just talk about it. Like, I've seen people do that for, like, generally psychology kind of, like, talks where the the thing is super technical and then they have to peel back and then, like, unravel the, the, the episode. So I thought that would be a nice thing. Uh, what would even be nice is if I can find a co-host to do that with for every single one of those. Yes. So, yeah. So maybe one thing I'll start doing is after every episode, I'll just call on people if anyone wants to come on the show mm. uh, just to talk about the <laughs> the podcast they've heard and, and the things that connected with them. And then, you know, we, we play the podcast in the background or just snippets of it and they talk about it. Just like a way to... You know, because I, I just have a strange feeling I won't be producing many episodes. Mm. Like, uh, my plan is to, you know, maybe get to 13 per season. And nice. I have a limited idea of, like, some themes that I want to get out. And so I'm thinking maybe two seasons max. So in between, I need, you know, there's going to be a need for more content. And so that's the, one of the ideas I have. Nice. I like that. Like you're a waterfall of ideas. And then like, <laughs> I like that. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Totally. Oh, man. That's amazing. Thank you so much uh, for doing this with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I feel honored. So thank you so much for, uh, yeah. for having me. Yeah, here. no, I, I also feel honored that you, you, you were able to talk about your project. I didn't know if that was something you would, you would say on the, on the show, but thanks for sharing that here. I feel like, I feel like a, a news person who has like an exclusivity. <laughs> it's yeah, true, right? actually. Yeah, it's the first time. Yeah, but it's still. Yeah, uh, so it's like. There's a vent deal. Um, you know, the next episode of the US chapter. The US chapter. <laughs> yeah, that is I like that. And you you cut it into pieces for me. You said like US chapter one, US chapter two, and then yeah. I'm looking forward to, yeah. to chapter three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, but wow, thank you so much. And big shout out to Karen for, you know, encouraging this. Yeah, big shout out to Karen in general. I mean, the woman is working at a hospital, you know, saving lives and stuff. It's, that is, yeah, yeah. big shout out. There. Doctor. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really amazing. I, you know, she said, listen, you have to talk to Teresa. And I'm like, yeah, I, Wow, that is so 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 sweet. That is so sweet. It's so funny because Karen is one of Karen is one of the people. Um, Karen is one of the people who I met over the past four years. That like I take her so seriously. So like if I don't know something, I go like Karen, what do you think? And then she, and then she's quiet. And then she says one or two things, like very, you know, one or two sentences. And she's like, well, I think yada, yada, yada. And then that sticks with me, you know, for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't know. Like she's so, she's so precise in that stuff. Yeah. No, I really respect She, she does the same thing to me too. Oh yeah. She does the same. 
She's good at it. She's really she, good at she's it. She's really good at it. Especially when, like, <laughs> you know, you're, like, on an emotional roller coaster. Mm. And she, she can talk you off the edge really fast. I feel like that's her hidden call. She should work in, like, you know, law enforcement to, like, stop people from blowing shit up. <laughs> so true. Yes. That's the next step in her career. You know, I'm serious. Because she's always like, um, yeah. I don't think that just makes sense. And you're like, yeah. Why? <laughs> and why didn't I come up doing? with that? You know, like, I know I need Karen to say that. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you're so right. She's the negotiator. You know that movie? Like she is. Yeah. <laughs> so during the day, she's a doctor. And then at night, she's a negotiator. She's a negotiator. <laughs> Maybe she's that we don't know. You know, I wouldn't put it past her. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Cheers. Thank you so much. I am just so appreciative for this. It's not like, it's, it's not even like the content wise thing like that, that comes and goes. But like, I feel like I've just learned like a ton. Oh my God. That's, thank you so, so, so much for, uh, for having this talk. You know, you're, you're listening to a great podcast produced by Ken. Uh, tune in. Okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> in Dutch, huh? Um, jullie luisteren naar een te gekke podcast made by Kenneth en uh, geniet ervan, enjoy yeah. <laughs> you're welcome, you're welcome I can record it separately for you, I'll send you a file I'll send you a file, you can use it oh uh, yeah, that's, that's dope and then, um, yeah they're like farming and doing all their oh man, your mom, seriously I will never forget that, like she was she stayed with us yeah. I woke up in the morning and um, I would leave and then she had like she made sandwiches for me for my lunch I felt like oh. I was like oh my god and she gave me this little lunch box and she was like so there and an apple and a banana and you know the whole thing and I was like okay wow I felt like my mom was staying there <laughs> and she was in the kitchen the entire time like she made so much food and to me it felt like I, back then, like I was, I was away from home, and I just thought it was so cozy to have like a mom there. But immediately, she yeah. acted like she was my mom too. It's <laughs> so cute. <laughs> it was really, really cute. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's a nice story. I'll share that piece with her. She, she would freaking feast on that. Oh <laughs> yeah, please do, please do, and uh, yeah. yeah, tell her I said hi. The jingle is proposed by MC Bad Photofile228. The music is licensed under Creative Commons. The links is gonna be in the description below. I am your host Ken, also a producer, social media strategist, uh, chief ex- executive officer, accountant, uh, painter. Kind <laughs> of have it fun with the outro. Thank you so much for joining in, and I hope to see you guys soon. Cheers.